Father, we thank you for another Sunday to gather together as your people and to gather with those who maybe they don't have a relationship with you, God, to gather together to worship Jesus. Jesus, I'm thankful that there will come a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you truly are Lord. But God, we willingly do that today. Jesus, we do that willingly before you. Jesus, we declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead our time and that you would help us to make much of Jesus today to the glory of the Father. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to this psalm Remind us over and over of the things that you've taught us so far since last Sunday and this past Friday, and then open our hearts anew to what it is that you want to remind us or teach us today. God, we submit our time to you right now. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's kids say, amen. Psalm 108, verse 1, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Look at that first part. My heart is steadfast. It's confident. And he says, and then I will sing. Does anybody see that verse and just sit there and go, why do Christians always want to sing? Anybody here sit there and go, I, I kind of like Jesus. I'm just not a good singer. Anybody there? But do you still let it loose? Do you just let it go? Even if you sound like a slaughtered pig, like you just go for it. Because there's just something in you. You just got to love and cry out and sing praises to Jesus. Followers of Jesus, I'm speaking to us for just a second. When we truly understand what it is that Jesus accomplished for us, that his cross was our cross, him taking the wrath of God is what we deserved. He did it because of us and for us. And then to take on death, and the Bible says that it was impossible for death to hold him down. Like there was no point where death was going to win. That's why Jesus from the cross could say, it is finished, with a voice of victory, because he knew the worst part was over, death, no. And then on that Sunday, friends, he pulled off Easter. Friends, this is why we're supposed to be crying out and singing out and making melody with our being. Verse two, awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. And we looked at this part on, on Friday. God has promised in his holiness God has promised in his separateness, in his otherness. And then we get to these parts, it's like, I don't quite get this. And so we look at the principles again. With exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Sukkoth. And that pretty much is this, that God is going to provide for his own. God's going to provide for his own. And then you get to verse 8, God is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. And you're like, what is that supposed to be? Well, we can get into it, but I'm pretty sure you don't want to be here for that long. And so pretty much just look at these two words, mine and my. But here God is saying, hey, I know mine. I know mine and I know my. We have to remember that God always cares for his. That because we are his, we can trust him that he will provide. For some, you suddenly go, Brian, it's been a pretty rough year for us. 
Because I'm pretty sure that everyone could say that at some point throughout a year, right? So is God failing? Or is God doing a greater work than we could ever imagine? I use this example often. For those of you that, for those of you that played sports growing up, when you hadn't practiced and then it's time for season to start and they put you for those, those, two, those two weeks of hell week. Um, am I allowed to say that here? Hell week, remember that? It's like two weeks of just torture. It's like the coach's way. It's like, oh my gosh, they'll do anything we say. Let's try to make them vomit. Like that's what the goal was. But you go through it and you work out harder than everybody else. Why? So that at the end of the season, you outlast every other team. And the things that we go through physically that help us to become healthier. Why is it all of a sudden when things hit, hit us in life, we sit and think, God, you're not being faithful. God, you're failing. Or is it possible that God is doing a greater work than we could ever imagine? Because he doesn't just automatically say yes to making us comfortable. Because what if God wants to be Lord in the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances are? Think about it. Guys, it's easy to follow Jesus when everything's great, isn't it? When it's easy, oh, of course, we'll be in that. Like if we could just be that first part of what we read. But friends, you know whether or not Jesus is Lord of your life if you will still give him praise and you will raise your hands in submission to him and in celebration of who he is when the, when the things get rough. When the circumstances are not in your favor. In loss, in want. When we can still pull back and we can honestly tell God, God, I'm struggling God, why would you? You said, go, that doesn't sound like praise, but I know that it sounds like prayer. Guys, we pray like David did in the Psalms. Why, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? God, why are these things happening? And then when we say those, we then come back to him and say, God, I may not understand this, but I am not the standard of truth. And I'm not the standard of right or righteousness. You are, and so this is what I do, God. I submit myself to what? Your loving care and your powerful embrace. And I come to you as God because I'm not. Friends, in the midst of suffering, when we can still claim that and scream that to God, then you know that Jesus is master. And friends, there's no greater mass that we could have besides Jesus. And the Bible says that I am my beloved's and he is mine. I belong to him and he's mine. Relationship. We get into verse 9 and this is where it gets a little bit weird. It's almost like, it sounds like somebody's getting ready to take a bath. It's weird. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. These three places are, are known as the enemies of Israel. And here's what God is saying. Hey, I'm going to fight for you. Like, I'll take care of it. But be honest. Show of hands. Not halfway Baptist. Like, charismatic this morning. Okay? How many wish that God would fight a little bit quicker? Yeah. And if you don't have your hand up, you're just shy or you're a liar. So let's go with shy. You just wish he'd show up quicker, right? You wish he'd fight quicker or harder or a little bit more obvious. Why does he always have to be behind the scenes? Why doesn't he just do it when we ask? Guys, I don't want us to settle for our perspective on things. I want us always to wait on his. And then he goes into verse 10 and 11. He says, who will bring me to the fortified city? 
Who will lead me to Edom? Edom, again, one of Israel's, uh, one of Israel's enemies. And then as I was reading about this, some scholars think that the fortified city is this place called Petra. Okay. Who remembers the 80s Christian heavy metal band named Petra? Yeah, they were horrible. I'm just joking. They were good. But it's like when I read Petra, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where it came from. I just thought, oh, where'd they get that name? They were like at a Denny's and they came up after a moons over my hammy sandwich. Like, well, let's call ourselves Petra. It's actually a place. It's the fortified city. But you have to understand, why is it that David would bring this one up? Well, it's probably that David is back. He's, he's fighting against them. But the fortified city of Petra, as you approach it, there's this narrow one mile long road that went through the limestones. And the, the limestones were cliffs that there were thousands of feet high. And the breadth of it, the width of it, I should say, was two horses wide. That's as, that's as wide as it was. And so a handful, a handful of soldiers could defend anyone coming through that narrow gateway. And so here comes David going, hey, who's going to help us through the fortified city? In other words, who's going to help us through the impossible? Who's going to help us? I mean, we can't get through this. And so then what if all of a sudden we apply it to today? And what if we apply it to, t- what if we apply it to us and to you? Then maybe you sit and go, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Like, what's going to happen? Question for you. Do you ever feel at a loss as to what to do next with the thing that you're facing? That thing that's beyond you? And I think David did here because he asked the question twice in one verse, who will? Hey, who's going to do this? Who's going to do this? And you get to verse 11. Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our, with our armies. Guys, that's a pretty terrifying verse. He's like, well, who's going to help us? Because it sure feels like you've rejected us. It doesn't seem like you're fighting our battles. And so I question for some of you, do you ever feel like God is against you? Like no matter what you try to do, it seems like God is against you. Or maybe for some that you have a skeptical heart and mind, and that's okay. God's not afraid of our questions. But you read parts of the scriptures, and you go, are you telling me that you actually believe this God and you believe this book? Guys, I got to be honest, I believe every word of this book. Guys, I'm convinced that when this book is applied appropriately and faithfully, societies and cultures flourish. Because I guess I look at society and culture now and I wonder, what's the alternative that you think is winning? When I look at this and I say, wait, 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 grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness, are those not beautiful things? That I'm supposed to love my enemies? And I know that, friends, we can, we can be just like everybody else, right? We find ourselves at, at war against people and that's why I started off with, remember that we're, we are at war for people, not against people. Guys, we can sin. We're tempted just like everybody else. But if I apply this, love my enemies, I follow the example of Jesus and offer forgiveness to those who don't even ask for it while they're hurting me to offer sacrifice or to offer forgiveness just because that's what my Savior did. Guys, when we start to apply the principles and the teachings and the commandments of Scripture, society flourishes and culture flourishes. When it starts to unravel is when all of a sudden we all just decide that we are our own truth and we have our own truth and I can live by my own truth. The only problem with that is when we all do that, chaos 
ensues. Anarchy is the result. But if we're honest, doesn't it just feel like sometimes God's against us? So maybe some of you have come with that thing that you did. Nobody else knows. That's that regret. If I use the word regret, you think of that thing, and you just sit there and go, there's no way that if I brought that to God that he could or would ever receive me. He would. He couldn't. He couldn't forgive me, Brian. Like if I sat down eye to eye, knee to knee with you, and told you this is what I've done, there's no way that Jesus would forgive me. Are you kidding me? Friends, Jesus came for the sinner, us. I love the fact that he didn't say what kind of sinner, he just came for the sinner. That God in his grace, guys, we can't keep picturing God like us. That if I think, well, this is how I would respond to this, that must be how God will respond. Guys, that's arrogance. Thank God he's not like me. I say, thank you, they don't have to clap that hard, but thank you, thank God he's not, thank God he's, thank God he's not like you. Oh, okay, just want to make sure you clap for that one too. Guys, as long as we keep picturing God reacting and responding to every situation in person the same way that we would, it's called idolatry. We've placed ourselves on the throne of God and expected Jesus to stand next to us wearing a barista outfit from Starbucks to do what it is that we tell him to do. At some point, we have to trust him when he says, hey, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I will show compassion on anyone that I desire to. I will, I will extend grace and mercy and forgiveness to those who come to me in Jesus. I will do that because he's God. And followers of Jesus, our response should be the exact same response that Jesus has toward those who don't know him. He came to seek and save. That's what we're called to do. And so for those that say he could never and would never, I want to point those of you who feel like that back to a cross. Not only could he and would he, friends, he did everything necessary so he would and he could because he wants to. Guys, that's proof that he wants us. That's why as Christians, we're so crazy about the cross and we're so crazy about the resurrection and because it's the proof of the love of God for us. Or maybe you feel completely abandoned as you're going through the hardest time you've ever had to face. And you've cried out and you've prayed and maybe you've prayed more than ever and let me pull you back for just a second. Think about what you just said there in your mind if you agree with this. You can say, Brian, I've prayed more than ever. Isn't God great in how he does his best work? Isn't it amazing how he can take a, a, a trial or a crisis and cause you to pray more than you ever have so you would actually seek the greatest good? Guys, I ask that question often who are people who are going through things and then I have to ask myself that. When I'm going through those, those dark, those valleys, those dark seasons of the soul and I'm trying to figure things out and I just feel completely alone and then to have this reminder I remember this one season I was just going through and I just felt just overwhelmed by stuff and just felt like I was failing God so much. And I was like, God, I don't want to feel like this. God, would you please cause these things and these thoughts in my head to stop? And this thought popped in my head was, hey, have you sought me more than you ever have in your life? And I just, okay, by faith, I'm going to answer that we're having a conversation. I said, absolutely. 
And the thought then came to me, then stop questioning my process. That if the dark night of the soul caused me to seek the Lord more than I ever have, then God's perfect work was being accomplished. Friends, can I remind you for those that say, I just feel like he left. Can I remind you that we serve Jesus who from the cross actually experienced what it was like to be forsaken by the Father. That from the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as I brought this up last week or on Friday, friends, Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that we could be forgiven by the Father. The followers of Jesus, we never have to think that. We never have to go to that place. The thoughts or the feelings might come here and there, but friends, we can always go back to the scriptures. When the scriptures say, hey, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That even if I feel alone, I go back to what does the Bible say? The Bible says, I won't leave you. God is saying, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I won't forget about you. But in those seasons where it feels like I'm gone, Seek me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. And so what do we do? If that's how we're feeling, we ask God for help. Look at verse 12, the first part of verse 12. Oh, grant us help against the foe. Notice that David all of a sudden starts to pray. Oh, grant us help, God. Grant us help against our enemy. But why ask God? That's the second part of verse 12. For vain or worthless is the salvation of man or of people. Worthless in vain. It's pointless. Maybe this phrase will resonate with many of you. I've tried everything. Like what I'm facing, Brian, I've tried everything. And nothing's changed and it's the same thing that maybe for some you may say, I'm still broken over the loss that I've experienced. But for some, you've experienced loss, and maybe it's just been the last month or in the last year. And maybe for some of you, it's been years, and you're still, you're in agony. Your soul still aches. You're like, I've cried out to him, and nothing's changed. Can I just ask you to put one word on that last statement? Nothing's changed yet. See, the yet means that God's not done with it yet. He's not finished with it yet. Again, he's doing a greater work than we could ever imagine. But it doesn't mean that the pain isn't real. But I also believe that God wants us to take us out of pain and into joy. That even in the midst of pain, I can have joy. That my perspective is changed and shifted to believing, hey, God, you're good and great, and I believe that even though I hurt so bad. Maybe some of you would say, I'm still so confused about why I think or feel the things that I do. Guys, is anyone thankful that you don't do everything you ever think? Yeah? That's right. Thank you. There's one honest one. Thank you. Little, guy, little, one, little one back there. Guys, I'm so thankful. Can you imagine if we did everything we think? Worse, do you think, can you imagine if we did everything we feel? Has anyone ever just sat there and went, thank you, God, that you kept me stupid in that moment? <laughs> and then has everyone had this? You had the best thought after, after it was over? You're like, oh my gosh, that would have changed the whole world. I would have saved everyone in that moment. If 
God, why won't you give me that? Maybe you're still confused about all that stuff. Can I just remind you, friends? I think all of us struggle with thoughts. Now, I think all of us, I can guarantee this, every single one of us struggle with thoughts and feelings because they're not reliable. I know that for some of you, you know what everyone's thinking right when you see them. We usually say something like this. I could tell. I could tell what they were thinking. Did you see them fold their arms? I know what they're thinking. And really all they did, they, they folded their arms because they were checking to see if their pits were wet. But in your mind, <laughs> in your mind, you were so clear, like, they're, they're close to me and they hate me. Oh, I see that. And the whole time they're like, oh, they are. Oh, and, they do, and then they make that, oh, no. And in your head, oh, they can't stand me. And it had nothing to do with you. And the problem is we're all guilty of that. Has anyone had an argument with somebody who's not there? Like in your mind, you've worked through it. Have you ever noticed you win every argument? Like you've got your points, boom, I'm gonna boom, one, two. If I need to throw in three, like a, like a hook on the side of the ribs, then I'll bring it out, but if I don't have to, because I'm pretty sure one and two is just gonna do it for me. This is the one, and then all of a sudden they talk different. They don't bring up the things that you had in your mind and you lose. I hate that. Friends, I'm thankful that God gives us something that we can hold on to, the reliability of his word to take our thoughts and our feelings and realize, friends, there's this idea that the Bible teaches about our depravity. We're depraved. We're sinful to the core. And it's not just our physical bodies. Guys, every thought has been impacted by our depravity. Every feeling has been impacted by our depravity. And that's why we have to take our thoughts and our feelings and our motives back to the cross of Jesus. We need to go back to what it is that he says in his word and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking, God, and be that honest about it. And then to have him speak into us going, no, nah, I wouldn't go there. And then other times to go, yep, that's it. Maybe some say I'm so hurt by what he or she did to me. For that, friends, I don't, I'm sorry. I know even just saying that one statement, it, it ranges from just like one to 10 on what you've experienced because of another person. And to that I say, I'm sorry. I don't, I can't answer the question as to why, but I do believe in a God who can redeem all of it and he can heal all of it. I know that for some of you, that is the thing that holds you back mostly. It's caused you to be so angry with God that you turn away from him. The only, the only thing is that you've turned away from the one who can actually redeem that thing rather than letting that thing embitter your soul so that that's all that you experience for the rest of your life. He actually wants to redeem it and free you from it. Maybe for some, I can't get out of these addictive habits. I've tried everything and I can't. I know we always jump to drugs and alcohol is the only thing, but friends, we all can have these addictive habits. And we get gift cards for each other for those things. Like, oh, shut up. Guys, I, mine was soda back in the day. But I've been around for it. It was. I mean, I just drink, just not unleaded, leaded. Mountain Dew, I still thirst for it, friends. <laughs> I'm telling you, when it's hot, Oh, I still sit there and go, but Lord, 
That I, be I believe that will be in the drinking fountains of heaven. I really do. <laughs> Some of you sit there and say, no, no, you just don't understand it yet. I mean, three or four, 40 ounce, 44 ounces a day, just kind of there. It's like, well, this isn't on the bad list. It is if it's controlling me. For others, it's this. This is where the kids are like, remember? Yeah, pay attention, Mom. Pay attention, Dad. We justified. Well, I just want to know what's going on. Why? So I can pray. Good, pray. But maybe put it down when you pray. Guys, we have all these things that we want to fill a void, and Jesus is like, I've created you for me, and until it's me, you'll always have a void. Maybe you try to numb the pain, but it never works, and you come back to that verse, for vain is the salvation of man. See, people and things have failed to bring you relief, and maybe you're at this point, it's like, I can't do this anymore. And maybe when you confess that, maybe when we all can go before God and say, I, I can't do this anymore, maybe then we'll hear God go, finally. Because God needs us to come to the end of ourselves. When we've tried everything to then come to the one who can fix it all. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, just so that you know the Bible actually knows and understands, God's word teaches truth. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Has anyone ever been there? It's like there's so much going on that I don't even know if I want to live. This hurts so bad. I love the fact that Paul, we always think of Paul like Jesus Jr. He's the one who's saying these words. I was so overly burdened by what I was going through that I despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And then watch this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Guys, even in that, God's like, I need you to get it. I'm good. I'm so good. I know what I'm doing. Even in the pain, I know what I'm doing. Then maybe you're going through it and nothing's changed and nothing's stopped. And maybe today you finally sit there and go, I can't do anymore. I don't know what else to do. And God goes, let me explain to you. I needed you to get to this point. Why? So that you would learn to rely upon me who raises the dead. Why is that brought into it? Because the resurrection changes everything. That if God can pull off Easter, friends, that's varsity. He handles everything that's peewee. And he handles everything that's JV. If he can pull off Easter, if he can pull off raising from the dead, he's got you. You can trust him. The empty tomb is God's declaration and reminder, I've got it. I'll take care of it. And then as we return to God, look at verse 13. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. In other words, he will fight for us. The word valiantly is this idea of strength, valor. Like you're going to do well. You've cried out to God. You've asked for help. We rely upon him. And in his timing, we can sit there and go, and I will do well. 
Not because we're great, but because he is. Maybe everything that we've been looking at the last three times we've been together in Psalm 108 is best summarized in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, where Peter says this. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That just means to be brought into relationship with God and start this new life because of Jesus. To be born again to a living hope. The fact that it's living is connected, watch, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Followers of Jesus, we do not worship a God who is dead. But we worship Jesus who died and who came back from the dead. And he ascended on high. And one day he will come back. Like, oh, we've been waiting for so long. I know. And don't you wish it would be today? And somebody's like, ah, oh, but right now. The kids are like, we got to get out of here. We need some eggs. <laughs> Friends, he's coming back one day. But my question to you is this. Followers of Christ, are you excited that he's coming back so you can see him? Or are you excited, are you, are you excited that he's coming back just so you can get out of bad stuff? May we move into the place where we just desire to see him so much that no matter what, whether we're on the mountaintop experience, we're just sitting there going, even now, Jesus, come. I want to see you more than anything, just to have this type of relationship with him, rather than just this mundane experience of religious rituals, but really saying, God, I want to live every day in this moment with you, this love affair with the Savior. For a salvation ready to be, I'm sorry, Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. And here's the honesty of the Bible. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Even if you're going through it right now, it doesn't matter. So that the tested genuineness of your faith this faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested, that tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Friends, he's coming back one day. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Is that true of you? Followers of Jesus, is that true of you? You haven't seen him yet. It's like, I love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As the worship team comes back up, let me repeat verse 13. We'll close with one song after this and then we'll dismiss. Psalm 108, verse 13. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down or trample on our foes. Friends, in our struggle against sin, God will trample. God will tread down. In our struggle against temptations, he will trample down. He will fight for you. How can I be so sure? Because he laid down for you. He laid down on a cross. It was a and allowed his creation to crucify him. And then he beat up death by coming back from the dead. And he's coming back one day to take his kids home. 
Not because he needs us, but because he wants us. For those that said, I can't get it, I don't believe. I mean, to tell me that he came back from the dead, I am. I can't do it. And I bring this up often. Do you realize that none of his disciples thought they'd pull, that he'd pull it off either? None of them were standing outside the tomb, moving the rock for him so he didn't have to. I bet it's been tiring in there. I'll move the rock for you. Come on out, Jesus. None of them had signs or balloons welcoming him back from the dead. Man, welcome back. No one believed it. Isn't it just like God to do the things that are unthinkable? Isn't it just like God to do the things that are unimaginable? Guys, think about it. He shows up as a baby at Christmas time. Guys, the whole calendaring system for the world is based on that event. Because of one guy that shows up from tidy, tiny little podunk, 40 square acre town, Nazareth. The whole world is based upon him. What will you do with him? The Bible says this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says this, that, that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that God so loved the world, though, that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's when we look at Jesus and say, you know what, compared to what I have, you're worth everything. You're a master of my life. I want to follow you. And when that happens, friends, when I say I want to give my life to you, I surrender to your lordship. He says, oh, I'm so thankful. Here's salvation. It's free. I paid for that. And then we just get to walk with him and enjoy him because we love him. But friends, there is no other way to God except through Jesus. And for some that say, well, it's pretty closed-minded, I'm just thankful that God made a way because he's the way. It's by grace through faith. It's not by works that you're brought into relationship with God. And then we follow his disciples because he's worth it. And we go make disciples because he's worth it. But I also want to invite those of you that need to confess to God, I just, I'm broken, God. I need to confess I'm hurting. Are you really there? Yeah. Friends, the salvation of man or the salvation of people is pointless. But God's? Guys, that's the real thing. He came to seek and save the lost. But he also knows the brokenness that comes with being human. And so if you just need to confess that this morning, God, I'm just broken. I'm really hurting. Then tell him. But as I pray, if you say, I want to surrender my life to Christ, you can do it right there. You don't have to stand up. You can. I would love it. If all of a sudden you stood up and said, I want to surrender to Jesus, we're going to go bonkers. Friends, he loves us that much, and he's with us to the end. If you want to surrender to Jesus, as I pray, just tell him, I surrender my life to you, God. You are master of my life. I want to follow you. And he says, salvation is yours. That's the beauty of it. Let me pray. And then we're going to one last song. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you again for your sacrifice. And thank you for your resurrection. God, without that, it would be pointless. 
The pivotal event in all of human history was the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you did that. We thank you that you conquered sin and death. And therefore, we have victory over sin and death. God, for those that your spirit is convicting, I pray that you would draw them, Father, to Jesus. That they would surrender to you. They would enter into life. And God, for those who are just so broken and they're hurting, they're wondering, where are you, God? Would you do something today to convey to them, to reveal to them of your presence, of your goodness and your greatness? God, we can't save ourselves. I thank you that you made it that way, that we might rely upon you who is the greatest. God, as we sing this last song to you, Jesus, I pray you're, I pray you're pleased. I pray it makes you happy. We sing, in, we sing in victory. Regardless of the circumstances, we sing in victory. So God, in this time, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. Love you more than you know.